over people The game is done back If you think that I won't let you run My body, my heart, and my mind Then you better listen, son Nobody's running this body Nobody's running this mind And nobody's running this heart Because I am a free being I'm an individual I do what I want I stick my middle finger out To those that would rather control me Than let me flourish Let me grow and strive to be the best that I can be. Because I am an individual, yo. I'm Chris Shule. I'm the disseminator of wisdomatic truth bombs, crypto savagery. A singer, dancer, performer, entertainer. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's been some time since I dropped a podcast, but I, I really wanted to drop a podcast on what's going on in regards to Cody Wilson. Damn, Cody Wilson. The mofo powerhouse, the anarchist, the fellow millennial, the disseminator of crypto anarchism, one of the biggest proponents of disseminating wisdomatic libertarian truth bombs through technology, a true crypto anarchist. Ladies and gentlemen, I recently... um, I think the last podcast I did was on my favorite libertarians, and I feel somewhat disappointed that I did not include Cody Wilson because where is I? I've been checking out some of his work, you know, here and there over the last few years. Just over the last week or so, I've been going through his videos, and this guy is a powerhouse, and he's improved so much. I mean, when I first saw this guy on the scene talk about this stuff, this guy was like, damn, this guy knows what he's on about. And just over the last five years, because he's been engaged in this massive battle, he's had to lift his game. And this is what adversity does to you. It makes you strong. It makes you more resilient. I always like the idea that I invite adversity because it gives me the opportunity to grow. And Cody Wilson is someone that has definitely grown in the line of fire. If you are familiar with the story of Cody Wilson, Cody Wilson, five years back, was the first person to release a 3D printed gun. The blueprints for it. It received tens of thousands of downloads. Very successful. And a few days later, the Obama administration decided to Shut him down. We believe, Cody Wilson, that what you're doing is not in the interests of national security. Therefore, I believe that you must be shut down. Otherwise, we shall imprison you like Russ Ulbrich because that's just what we do. We like to flex our muscles and we have small penises and we worry about the fact that you may destroy us. So yeah, the Obama administration decided to, uh, to shut him down and... For several years, Cody was embroiled in legal uh, battles with the, with the state, with the Obama administration. Ended up winning. Ended up <laughs> defending his rights to be able to post information. This is covered under the, the freedom of speech, the First Amendment. The, the most sacrosanct of rights. Well, all rights are important. All rights stem from self-ownership, so ultimately they're all important, but... This is something that is not to be abridged. This is something that is not to be violated. This is the most important. You can't say, well, we need to prevent your freedom of speech in the interest of national security. That's that's not how it works. Anyway, Cody Wilson won this <laughs> and uh, was preceded by being sued by 20 states. And he's currently involved in legal battles with several states that are trying to uh, undermine this uh, this ruling by the, the by the federal government that he does have a right to uh, to to do this stuff. 
And granted, the uh, the legality of this is still a little kind of um, uh, complicated, as many legal issues are. I mean, he's just currently come through a just currently going through a a court case where the judge came down with a verdict that he's not able to distribute this information by the internet. However, he is able to sell this information or uh, disseminate the information in various other ways by email and so forth. But the bottom line is. Cody Wilson has been fighting this thing, has been winning, and he's got balls of steel. And you've seen this guy rise to the challenge. I've never seen anyone break down the the sophist arguments of status in the same light that Cody does. Cody is a powerhouse. He's a student of the law. He's a student of, of, of sound individualist philosophy, an anarchist. And listening to this guy is is so... Is so inspiring to me. He's a fellow millennial, and I, I, it is it is really inspiring to see someone that is so on the forefront of technology, is so on the forefront of understanding all of these ideas, and completely decimating all the stupid arguments that are thrown onto him. Anyway, we're going to check out an interview he did with uh, with another powerhouse, Alex Jones, where uh, yeah, it pretty much breaks down what's going on in the world of well, his activism. Right, and I'm and I'm not going to crawl in that hole. There's a lot of folks crawling a hole. Of course. Look, when 20 states rain down in your head, Alex, I had in Pennsylvania, I had 45 minutes to prepare for a, a a TRO hearing with the federal judge. Right? I mean, that's they just it's lawfare. They just want to hit you, hit you, hit you until you shut up. That's the point. Uh, that's the one thing that you, then you can't do. I'm about to say, say what you want about you. You're a maverick and a trailblazer. You have been beating the snot out of them. Uh, not even using a bunch of big lawyers, which which my lawyers are great, but I wish I could do it like you're doing. <laughs> I mean, you're, they are really got to hate your. They, they really got to hate your ass right now. Uh, yeah, they're upset because what, what do you do? I, I have this. Let's say here's the prop. I have this license, right? This distinct license from the State Department. A state government can't come into federal court and strip that from me. So the, the battle's even worse than it was. Just exactly, it's your creation, it's your thing, and if people exactly, it's uh, they have quite a hill to climb because they know it's killing America to ban a design. Frankly, yeah, they would do anything to stop this culture, our American gun culture, even going into federal court and saying, Your Honor, any computer-assisted speech of any kind has no First Amendment value. These, these are the literal things that they file in federal court. Because it's like the file tells them how to drill out their own system. It's like they're saying, it's, it's like trying to ban a book that tells you how to make dynamite. Right, right, which Amazon has no problem doing. Uh, someone posted a book of my plans, right? Amazon takes it right off. I mean... You, uh, they're happy to do it all. And then once it's dynamite, then it's conservatism, Christianity, oh. family, and then that's what it is. It's like once they set that precedent. Easily, easily. Do you see where this thing goes, guys? I mean, you, you obviously follow the arguments, this slippery slope argument. Of, I mean, I, I know a lot of people are very much against guns. They're very much against dr- drugs, very much against Bitcoin because of what might happen. Hey, let's prevent people from using these weapons, these, <laughs> these physical objects. Because they have the potential for harm. Hey, why not chop off my arms because I have the potential to use them to beat you up? Why not prevent me from speaking because I may speak bad things? Why not prevent people from creating this information because someone might use it for bad things? Do you see how insane it is? This is the uh, appeal to potentiality argument. And it just goes on and on and on. We don't prevent people from doing things because of what might happen. But of course, everyone wants to... Uh, wants to buy into this notion. And this is what leads to the insane system that we currently have that is considered to be law. That is not moral law. Moral law 
is natural law. It's based off of the idea of self-ownership. Now, of course, the current world that we're in, of course, people like to talk about how, constitutionally speaking, in the United States, it's permissible for us to prevent you from doing X and Y, even though it's violating your individual rights because it's in the interest of national offense. But technically speaking, it's not supposed to work like that. The, the the society is not able to violate individual rights. The society is not able to violate freedom of speech. The society is not able to say, because I'm concerned about what your books be, be, or what your information may do, I'm going to prevent you from printing it. That's not how this thing is supposed to work. And as soon as you give in to that idea, that ideology, you can you can essentially do anything you want. And this is what the United States government does. Well, you know what? I'm going to assassinate this person because he's dangerous. Cody Wilson is dangerous, therefore we need to take him out. Hey, I'm not going to allow you to design blueprints for X and Y. And look, I, I want to make this very clear. Because I, I know I, I don't want people to get this twisted. A lot of people think that I'm very pro-guns, and of course I am. But it, it's not... When I say pro, it's not because I, I like the idea of these things. I don't know anything about guns. I, I've never used a gun before. Yes, yeah, to me, they're, they're a risk. It's dangerous because I'm not familiar with it. It's not about me liking these things. It's not about me advocating for drugs. I don't take these substances. Don't smoke. Don't drink. Don't even take caffeine. Never have. Never taken any of these substances for my own reasons. It's not about me liking these ideas. Everyone always thinks that because you support something, you must like it. The reason I am pro these things, pro guns, pro drugs, pro Bitcoin, is because I believe in people's right to be able to use these things. Now, granted, they may or may not be good ideas. Now, in regards to Bitcoin, I personally think it is a good idea because it ha- it's efficient. It, it, gives a, it has a lot of us- usability. It has many great cases for impacting our world in a positive way. But it's besides the point. People have the right to do these things. Because it's not violating anyone else's rights. I mean, a lot of people think of anarchism as being this this lawless uh, system where people can do anything that they want. It's not like that. It's supposed to work on a basic understanding of freedoms. You have a right to do anything you, you want, provided you are not violating the rights of another person. And you can't appeal to this potentiality that everyone else or the legal system seems to be a fan of. So that is how I feel about Guns, that's how I feel about drugs, that's how I feel about every issue. Anytime I make a case for someone, everyone everyone looks at me as if I, I, I support these things or support these people. No, I'm, I'm just simply saying that you don't have a right to prevent them from doing what they're doing. And I understand that people feel insecure about this thing. Whoa, what if people are able to, to, to put information in regards to, uh, to nuclear weapons? Or I mean, you know, I, I want to um, just break and, into, and without uh, just a question that... Cody was asked by an interviewer on a podcast he recently did that deals with this question. I mean, what if? I mean, where does it end? I mean, are we going to allow people to print information on anything? Well, yeah, because it's information. And just because it has the potential for violence doesn't give you the right to restrict someone from using it or printing that information. We've got laws in this country for uh, safety, and I know you come from a a classic uh, anarchist position from that standpoint, but um, when we do see the school shootings and we see the mentally ill kids that are either using mom and dad's gun or finding it their own way, um, you're talking about it, you're approaching it from the standpoint of a First Amendment issue, that you're able to share this information. You're not printing the gun, you're not taking the gun and you're shooting people with it. It's about providing information, is that correct? 
Sure. I mean, our, our primary claim, our, our big winner, the reason we'll continue to keep winning is because, of course, there's a First Amendment interest in the data itself and receiving it. There's no set of laws or state laws or, or court orders that are even possible to prevent you from getting files like this. That's like saying you, you can't download Skype because you might say something racist, right? It's, it's literally the same argument. Well, we're probably not that um, far from that these days. <laughs> Microsoft will just boot you out in the end if they, if they catch you with their AI. But yeah, so exactly. Like my point isn't even really a good joke because we're too uncomfortably close to that reality. But fortunately, the state has like less power to, to control these things than private organizations do. And uh, look, I'm not going to make apologies for the fact that you have a, the interest in this type of information. Sure, the technology might be scary, but uh, it's it's at its nascency. Right. Know? Okay, but we're, we're we're talking about sharing information that could be used for malintent, and um, I'm sure you've heard all the arguments before. Here, he said, could be used. Everything could be. Everything could be. Your penis could be used to <laughs> do horrible things. Everything has a potential. We're living in a world of potentiality. But everyone wants to talk about the potentiality as if, as if it is a definitive thing. It doesn't work like that. It has to do with this false understanding of the metaphysical reality that we live in. People want to um, assign definitive things to objects. Like, this object is definitively going to harm someone. No, it has the potential to. But you know what? You have the potential to do everything as well. Or essentially, uh, almost everything. And you, it, it, th- there is no... There is no potentiality as such. We're all living... I mean, it doesn't exist. What I'm trying to say is we don't know definitively speaking whether or not X is going to lead to Y. It's just this idea that we have in our head. We understand. We think we understand what the future may, may bring, but the future doesn't exist. All there is is the present moment. Therefore, when you speak about potentiality, it really is a, a mute point. You, you can't download uh, the blueprints to create a, 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 an atom bomb or you, you're not allowed to go onto child porn sites and download pornography uh, that they're obviously are going to uh, impact uh, the lives of young children. So there, there is a line, right? Or is it there? No. There no, no, not really. I think in the case of child pornography, right, there's, there's been a lot of like hair splitting on that. But really, the, the big question, the analogy I like to take on is like you said about nuclear weapons. Of course, you can download plans for nuclear weapons. This was settled back in the Cold War, the progressive case. You, it's uh, an open secret. Anytime you want to learn about making a nuclear bomb, you can go out there and Google it any day you want. And Congress in 1997 studied the question of bomb plans and bomb making materials online. They tried to make a law to stop it, right? And then the DOJ and the OLC came back and said, oh, sorry, actually, there's the thing called the First Amendment, and uh, we can't stop people from sharing and hosting plans for making bombs online, even though it would be definitely illegal if you were to use those plans to make a bomb. Uh, of course, this question is not as difficult in the firearms context, because if you have the plans to make a gun, fortunately, it's not criminal to make a gun in this country. So the plans themselves only facilitate lawful activity they don't necessarily implicate unlawful activity in five four five six years ago whenever this uh was was begun a lot of people kind of uh said that this is an outlier i'm not worried about it some people are saying that today because the technology isn't ubiquitous the fact is though if i wanted to go buy a 3d printer today i was looking into this they're as cheap as three four five hundred bucks now yeah, that's true. Look, the 3D printer thing is like what's exotic, gets people in the door. But, you know, what really gets me in trouble and why 20 states actually run to court is because what I mostly share are the plans for the most successful small arms designs of the 20th century, like the AR-15 and 
the 1022, the M9, the blueprints to actually make these implements, which I think you have the right to make as well, of course. And those Absolutely. Cody Wilson has the right attitude. He's not compromising because as soon as you compromise, you're no longer logically consistent. As soon as you say, well, you know, freedom's acceptable unless, of course, I consider it to be a, a risk to allow you to have your freedom, in which case I'm going to no longer honor the idea of freedom. The whole concept of freedom is based off of principles, the idea that you don't have a right to compromise someone's freedom. And as soon as you do, you no longer believe in freedom. Most people want to play the game of, yes, but what if, what if it's a significant threat? What if this information has the potential to do X and Y? doesn't work like that. does not work like that. You don't restrict someone's right because of potentialities. It's an appeal to potentiality fallacy. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I salute Cody Wilson. The guy is absolutely awesome. A gun, the personification of a gun in so many ways. And uh, I'd love to interview this guy. I'm going to see if I can get him on on my podcast. Uh, Speaking of which, I I have another uh, crypto anarchist coming on my podcast. That's tomorrow. That is the uh, crypto anarchist himself, Rothbard's disciple he goes by. Um, Brilliant guy. I I started going through this guy's work um, around this time last year, I think. Um, uh, I mean, other than Craig Wright, I, I don't know anyone that breaks down the technicality of, of Bitcoin better better than this guy. I learned a lot about the, the technical side of the architecture of Bitcoin from him. And uh, I want to pick his brain on, yeah, on a whole bunch of things. I mean, the guy has some interesting views on philosophy, on anarchism, and uh, also on smart contracts, on allowing musicians to earn money through smart con- contracts. So uh, we're going to get into that. Be sure to, to tune in. Uh, you can check out all my stuff, obviously, on... On this channel, on Spotify, well, not on Spotify, but you can check out my music on Spotify. Anyway, you know how to get a hold of me. I'm everywhere. I'm Chris Shul, y'all. Uh, moving on, ladies and gentlemen, I want to talk about, oh, one thing that's going on in the Bitcoin uh, space. Now, recently, uh, Ryan Charles posted his thoughts on the identity of Satoshi Nakamoto, who we, we all know at this point. I don't even like talking about it because it's, it's, it's one of these things that sends a, a, a rip into the, uh, the community, but I think is, is a no-brainer. But essentially, he announced that Craig Wright is Satoshi Nakamoto. Oh, man, really? Oh, my God. No way. Craig? But he's like, he's, he's a fraud. Craig is, come on, Craig? Everyone knows that Craig doesn't have anything to do with Bitcoin. But, uh, you know, he actually put out a video. I'm all on a 3D printer. And uh, it brought about a lot of talk. Uh, I'm going to hear him. I'm going to listen to his thoughts on the matter. So last night I tweeted that Craig Wright is Satoshi Nakamoto in the midst of what I perceive to be peak Craig Wright drama. Now, I tweeted this uh, because I believe that it's, it's true, but if obviously in the, in, the sort of, uh, in the style of Twitter, I mean, there's only so much room in a tweet. Um, I believe that statement is true, but I believe the truth is more subtle. Uh, in my humble opinion, Craig Wright was probably the leader of the Satoshi Nakamoto team. That team probably included Dave Kleiman. It probably included Dave Rees. Uh, and that was the inner Satoshi team. I think the outer Satoshi team probably included Hal Finney. It probably included Ray Dillinger. It probably also included Scranti, a.k.a. Phil Wilson. I want to say that these aren't really opinions. This is stuff that's been verified. And I realize that when people look at evidence, they have a different way of looking at it. When, I mean, I look at... I actually look at what people say, and then I cross-reference that information with actual facts. I, I realize a lot of people don't look at things like, for instance, um, Craig Wright having the uh, keys to the 
um, obviously the uh, having signed the Genesis block, they don't look at that as being definitive evidence that he's Craig White, which is true. I mean, if you're going to be a real skeptic, yes, the fact that he's he, he has the keys to this and it shows that he uh, he has been involved in this since its origin doesn't technically mean that he's Craig Wright, but it's damn indicative of that, and it corroborates everything that he's been saying. I, I really I really like how how um, Ryan analyzes this thing because he's very skeptical. He's very rational. Um, anyway, we'll, we'll let him go on. That's my opinion based on all the information I have about this. Most of that information is public, um, but there's a lot of misinformation publicly. So a lot of new people in the industry, I think, are getting sucked into a bunch of just completely ridiculous misinformation. Uh, and they don't really have the time or the patience to dive into it and actually research stuff in detail because, well, it takes a while, if nothing else. Um, my opinion on this subject is based primarily on the testimony of Gavin Andresen, John Matonis, and Ian Grigg. Uh, these three people validated that Craig Wright has the keys. So they validated that Craig Wright, uh, you know, as best you can from a cryptographic point of view, is the most likely candidate. I mean, at least he has the keys, okay? What? Craig Wright has the keys? But, but, but like, but, 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 he's a fraud! No! Look at his body language, man. And Satoshi would never, would never be mean like that. Satoshi would never say mean things about people. So Craig Wright... Can't be Satoshi. Uh, there might be multiple multiple people who have the keys, um, so you know it, it doesn't really prove the identity of someone to just say that they have a key. Um, Ian Grigg wrote a blog post clarifying this. I think I, I think he actually wrote more than one clarifying this. So I'd recommend reading Ian Grigg's blog post on this subject. Um, these three people would not make a mistake about this particular thing. Uh, Gavin Andresen, John Matonis, Ian Grigg are people that uh, would, I mean, basically their entire lives revolve around things like cryptography and digital currency. Exactly. If you don't know who these, these people are, as far as I'm concerned, you shouldn't be commenting on Craig Wright's likelihood of being Satoshi Nakamoto because you don't, you haven't been following the history of what's been going on because they're the most prolific fit. Well, at least Craig, at least uh, Gavin Andresen, the first, the first person to actually uh, work on Bitcoin. John Matonis, head of the Bitcoin Foundation. I mean, these are the, the key figures. And they're saying that they've actually seen Craig Wright verify the key. Now, I know a lot of people want to be skeptical and say, well, I don't know that. They could be lying. They could just be part of some conspiracy. But really, really, we're, we're, we're playing this game. We're going to say that that's not a, a credible form of evidence. And look, um, what I find really fascinating about this, more of the, the conspiracy, is that after these figures came out and announced that, yes, they, they believe that Craig Wright was Satoshi, is, you know, part of the team that is Satoshi Nakamoto, whatever, um, Gavin Andreessen's commit access to the Bitcoin repository was was taken, taken away. And he was the one that was given this access by Satoshi Nakamoto. I mean, definitively. I mean, we, we know this publicly. And he decided to be the uh, the... the the team play that he is and give access to uh, the core devs. And then they take away his access. So it, to me, it's it's just very clear that there's a lot of fuckery. For, uh, it sounds to me as if people are so invested. This is my personal opinion on why people don't want to believe this. People are so invested in this figure not being who he claimed to be or who he is. They want to come up with anything they can to, to, to take away from it. 
And with me, I don't actually care. Like, I am one of these people that is very, very strong about... Um, uh, that e I'll believe the truth even if it doesn't coincide with what I want to believe, the tr believe to be the truth. And I just feel as if people are so invested in not having something be true that they don't want to listen to the evidence here. Because as far as I'm concerned, the amount of not only circumstantial evidence, but actual hard evidence, not only hard evidence, but like corroborating um, anecdotal evidence. It's not even anecdotal evidence. I mean, this, this is the word of like credible people here. I mean, the fact that people want to look at this and say, no, and come up with all these crazy I ideas as to why it's not true and appeal to things like body language and they, they just don't trust it and um, like these horrible arguments that really just don't stand in the face of like really sound thinking is really disconcerting to me. And uh, it's not that I actually care about the outcome. I don't. It's, it's the, the fact that I realize that people are willing to believe what they want regardless of what is actually true. And it... it, it it rises up in every issue that you think about. That's why I, I personally am very, very afraid about the legal system. Many, many other areas where people have to, normal people, well, all people really, have to make decisions on whether or not something is, is right or wrong, true or false, based off evidence. Because I feel like people don't want to look at evidence. People just want to believe what they want to believe. And this is the story of history. You know, whether we're talking about, you know, facts in regards to, you know, flat earth and, Many, many other things in history where people have simply denied because it wasn't convenient. I mean, not that long ago, believe it or not. I mean, I know a lot of people want to make the argument that historic, yeah, maybe that was a few hundred years ago, but we're a lot wiser now. Just about 30 years ago or so, back in the 80s, I mean, people, the, the general status quo was that infants didn't actually feel pain. Therefore, there were a whole bunch of procedures that were performed in them from my understanding, without anesthetic, because technically speaking, they, they hadn't developed the uh, the physiology to actually feel pain, which we know is, is freaking stupid. And it just, just intuitively, and just based on my basic understanding of, well, just <laughs> my empirical understanding of, um, of, of humans and, and infants, for that matter, it's pretty obvious that, yes, even infants feel pain. But this was the, this was the, the narrative at the time. And I feel like, I know, one, it's a combination of people wanting to believe something because it's convenient, and two, because everyone else is saying it, rather than actually thinking for themselves and analyzing something for themselves. Hey, let's believe this ridiculous idea because enough people are saying it, because this is the narrative. And then, of course, the other side, which is, well, I really want this to be true, so you know what? I'm going to believe it, even though the evidence and the reality is something else. Anyway, I don't want to enter this whole... Uh, Satoshi Nakamoto business again. I think it's been done uh, enough times, and I think uh, it's very obvious. I think we don't need to say it. Out of respect for uh, <laughs> Satoshi Nakamoto, um, I, I just I just think it's better just to leave it unsaid. Obviously, we don't want um, a king. We don't want a ruler making these decisions and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I just find it dis disappointing how people are so unwilling to actually look at things for what they are. Um, also, I noticed, um, now, I, I don't read too much into this. Um, I'm a huge fan of um, of, uh, of Ryan, and uh, I, I can't find anything. Is, is I think he's really rational, really skeptical uh, when it comes to this kind of stuff. I tend to just be like, hey, man, it's, it's clear. It's clear that he's, you know, that this person is, is who he says he is, but Ryan tends to be the skeptic that looks at all angles and says, yes, based on this evidence, likely, etc., etc., 
Um, I really like his approach because he's he's more of a rationalist. Um, I tend to, uh, I, I one don't care about diplomacy. I also, I mean, I, I do. Of course, obviously, I care what people think. But when it comes to the truth, when it comes to matters like this, I think it's so obvious that I don't need to play the possibility game, the likelihood game. I think it's pretty damn a fact in regards to who Satoshi Nakamoto, at least one of the key figures, was. Um, but bottom line is I'm saying I really like his attitude, um, and I really find his, all of his tweets to be well thought out, well formed. Um, having said that, um, I've noticed he's blocked me. Notice that Ryan has blocked me. I, I don't think I've said anything that... Um, I, I cer- certainly haven't had any real dealings with him. In fact, I've, I just follow him. I think probably commented on maybe one thing, one or two things, and I've never said anything that's not really in support of him, but maybe he's just found some of my comments and not really agreed with them. And I do tend to say some pretty out there stuff. But, yeah, that, that was disappointing. It's always disappointing when someone you really like, you like the work of, um, yeah, it doesn't seem to, to like you that much. Or maybe maybe I'm reading into it. Maybe he's just seeing something didn't really resonate with and I've probably tagged him in something and decided to block me. But uh, if uh, if Ryan does end up checking this out or you bring it to his attention, yeah, tell him to unblock me because I really like his stuff. I really uh, like following his, uh, his tweets. And I, I definitely can't think of anything that I posted in order to... Uh, have him block me. So uh, anyway, um, I try not to uh, read too much into that kind of stuff. I mean, we all uh, we all want to kind of curate the information that we have uh, in our uh, environment, and sometimes, yeah, people make decisions like that because it's just convenient for them. Anyway, um, just a couple of other things I wanted to bring about. I think I would be very disappointed with myself if I didn't speak about the potential fork in November. Now, obviously, the main issue that everyone's been speaking about in the Bitcoin world, when I'm speaking about Bitcoin, I'm talking about BCH. I'm talking about Bitcoin. Bitcoin, the guys. Satoshi Nakamoto. The Satoshi Nakamoto vision. But apparently, um, there is a potential fork that is going to be taking place. Now, did an article from CoinGeek speaking about this quite well. Now, this is this is a recap of what's happened over the last uh, few years and what's happening. Let's rewind the clock a bit. Bitmain conspired with Blockstream and they paid a dev team called Core to enable SegWit on the now accurately named Bitcoin. BTC. As part of this deal, it was agreed that in return for Bitmain support for SegWit in BTC, the Blockstream, or Core, would let Bitmain and their dev team, Bitcoin ABC, fork off with another, with another version of Bitcoin that was in fact actually still Bitcoin. The idea was that Bitmain could use this branch of the chain as their private playground. The SegWit coin, BTC, still accurately called Bitcoin by most, is now a dead end and technology that cannot be used as a digital currency and that has robbed bic- billions of dollars in value and stunned the growth of the entire industry for years. Now, Bitmain and their captive dev group, ABC, seek to yet again fork the real Bitcoin, BCH, to enable them to take Wormhole to the next level. The economic model of Wormhole is flawed, however, according to uh, this, uh, this writer. Destroying one BCH to create another token is counterintuitive. Nobody destroys gold or silver in return for something else. Rather, we sell it for something else. This economic model will cannibalize and kill Bitcoin entirely. Bitmain would then have a proof-of-stake system that they control with the billions of tokens they have already issued to themselves. Though this is essentially bad for miners, sound familiar? They are lying and trying to get this approved incrementally, hoping nobody will see this until it's too late. So um, that's the scenario. Now, from what I understand, look, I, I don't know which Bitcoin is going to, I mean, 
what is going to be the best uh, design in regards to uh, bringing Bitcoin to the, the masses. But the bottom line is, look, obviously there is there was an, an original plan for Bitcoin, the Satoshi Nakamoto vision, and uh, Bitcoin ABC have some other ideas in regards to making this thing better, and they're willing to adapt the current version of Bitcoin. And quite frankly, I'm in line with sticking to the original version of Bitcoin. I think we need to give it a chance to actually work. I think it is working. And... Uh, what can I say? Look, it's not that I'm team anyone. Um, I just, I just, I, I guess when it comes down to it, I have, I have faith in the idea of the original vision of this thing and trusting in the, the people that are actually working on Bitcoin, trusting in the fact that they understand this thing better than anyone else. I'm in line with uh, following their roadmap. I think Craig Wright spoke about this uh, in an interview in regards to the split. Let's see what he had to say in the matter. Boom. The answer there, to interrupt, is very simple. We're not going to allow any split. Hmm. So people get this confused. There was no fork of Bitcoin. There was a split. And that was intentional. The way that it was done was wrong. They put in replay protection and whatever else to make it separate and keep things separate. We're not allowing that. If someone tries to do that with ABC, we have more hash power. We will dedicate it to their hash power. There is no split. You split, we bankrupt you. This is how Bitcoin works. If you don't like it, stiff. Sounds really good. Uh All right. Well, once again, in a classic Craig Wright fashion, um, yeah, do it my way or stiff, tough titties. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, um, let us know what you think about the split. Let us know um, which side you're on. Know that there is a side. Personally, I'm team freedom. I'm team whatever works. Uh... Uh, just a few other things I wanted to talk about before I, I end this podcast. Um, one, Kofi Annan, Kofi Annan recently passed away. He's a fellow Ghanaian. Um, I'm originally from Ghana, West Africa, and Kofi Annan is definitely someone that's looked up to in high, high, uh, high, with, with a sense of respect. Uh, he was one of the, the key. He was the key figure. I remember years back when I was when I was a kid watching the uh, the Gulf Crisis. I know that he was the the key figure in preventing. Uh, the United States, well, Saddam Hussein from going to war with the United States at a point. There was a, uh, there was a scenario where the United States was, was trying to continue their uh, inspections of Iraq for weapons of mass destruction, even though they didn't have any. Uh, Saddam Hussein didn't want to oblige. And as a result, uh, Kofi Annan had to try to negotiate um, with Saddam Hussein to allow the United States to come in. And... There was a point where it seemed as if this thing was definitely going to go on. This was going to be a massive war that took place. And Kofi was the hero. He was able to uh, to to allow common minds to prevail. Well, to, to basically just be the rainmaker, as we call it in, in, in Africa. Like, to, to cool things down. And I, I remember watching the, the fiasco and just being amazed at how he handled things. He really was striving to avoid this horrible confrontation. And he succeeded. Um, and... Uh, I think a lot of people had respect for him because of that. Having said that, obviously not long after, they ended up going to war anyway, and the United States bombarded the shit out of Iraq, and as a result, the, the amount of uh, suffering in that, in that country is just is unforgivable because of the spent uranium. Anyway, um, yeah, that, that's, that's how I think of Kofi Annan, the fact that he was able to avert that disaster, at least uh, to keep it back for some time. Having said that, um, he's he's been responsible for some, for some many awesome things, and uh, I salute him. I think Kofi was a uh, was a great man, and uh, it's a 
yeah, I think he's left a beautiful legacy. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to leave it there. Um, if I have not mentioned, I am going to be interviewing Rothbard's disciple tomorrow on my podcast. We're going to be getting into philosophy of, uh, well, anarchism, amongst uh, many other things relating to crypto anarchy, uh, talking about his smart contracts, his ideas for smart contracts, and uh, all the other fascinating things, his disagreements in regards to the direction of Bitcoin Cash. So, uh, yeah, be sure to stay posted for that podcast, and be sure to like Comment, share this video, tell your mom, do everything you can to get this out there. Let me know what you think about the upcoming Bitcoin potential fork. Let me know what you think about about me. And yeah, I also want to say, look, if there's anything you guys ever disagree on, please let me know. I'm definitely someone that's very open to conversation, provided you're not being rude. Um, I'm, I'm deaf as much as I love having conversation. I, I have a zero tolerance, tolerance policy when it when it comes to. Uh, profanity, or people just being douchebags. So, yeah, absolutely. I think it's important, perhaps, us to have dialogue, not to buy into this censorship uh, society. So, ladies and gentlemen, let me know what your thoughts are on, on this podcast. Peace out. Keep it real. Don't drive in text. Until next time, the Esoteric Noetic, a.k.a. Chris Shule. Ow! Signing out. No people in this life will always tell you what you can and what you cannot do. You can't let nobody put limitations on yourself. You gotta know that deep down inside, you got the will, you got the power, you got the fire. So if you wanna go, you gotta go like thunder. We've had to beat you up the most side. Bring up a rain needle in the direction. Have a moment, honor on that we live. Rise above it, you working on that game, son. I'm about to school you and I thunder. I'm about to school you and I thunder.